The only purpose of the Talking Space podcast is to educate and to inform. The views expressed in this program are the opinions, experiences, and conclusions of the guests. They do not represent the official policy or position of the Space Tweep Society as a whole, NASA, any other space agency, company, contractor, or affiliate. We choose to go to the moon. to another episode of the Talking Space Podcast. This is Talking Space Podcast episode 228 for the week of August 23rd, 2010. And tonight, it's Guys Night Out here at Talking Space. <laughs> Joining me tonight is Gene McCulka. Welcome, Gene. Good evening, sir. Thanks a lot. No problem. And also Mark Ratterman. I don't know whether to make a joke about raising our standards or lowering them. I could see getting in trouble either way, so I guess we'll uh, <laughs> just have to give it. Yeah, give it the old best shot. <laughs> exactly. Very wise move, sir. <laughs> Unfortunately, Gina was unable to join us tonight, so it'll be the three of us. And let's get started. The first is that that issue aboard the International Space Station is finally fixed after three spacewalks. Gene, since you were tweeting from our Talking Space Twitter account the entire time, recapping what was going on, do you want to give us a brief recap on the air, please? Sure, sir. Thanks a lot. Uh, yeah, EBA-1, as we all know, did not really go by the book. Um, we kind of described that during the last podcast. Uh, we obviously had a little issue with a recalcitrant... Uh, uh, ammonia line first to recap completely what had happened on july 31st uh was that a uh, an ammonia pump that uh, basically feeds coolant into the international space station's electronics had failed uh the result was uh wiping out about half of the space station's electricals and uh they had to go ahead and power power everything down while this uh while they while folks on the ground tried to figure out what to do about this uh, this uh, issue here, it was decided to uh, go ahead and uh, uh, go ahead and replace the the pump with a, a spare that they had handy uh, on board that was brought up, I believe, by Shuttle Atlantis on STS-128. Um, so the uh, uh, Tracy Caldwell Dyson and uh, Doug Wheelock went outside with uh, Shannon Walker flying Canon Arm Two. Uh, to try to go ahead and uh, replace the uh, the pump, uh, first EVA didn't really go as planned. Uh, we got over to uh, the uh, the pump itself, started taking off the uh, the ammonia lines, and one uh, one line was really really giving them problems. Uh, they tried several uh, angles to it and just could not get the line free at all. So uh, they decided to go ahead. Do what they could do to, to try to relieve the pressure in, in in the system and declare victory and and go home, or or back into the airlock. Um, on uh, I believe it was uh, Wednesday of uh, the the following week. I'm trying to remember exactly 
what day that was. Forgive me, folks. Um, EVA 2 occurred and uh, decided to go ahead and pick this up where it left off. And uh, it went textbook pretty much. Um, they uh, Doug Wheelock went back to his nemesis, which was the, uh, the bulky M3 connection. And uh, using um, <clears throat> some persuasion, which to me, watching on television, looked like a, uh, a space version of a crowbar, uh, was able to go ahead and release the, uh, the the quick release valve, which again marked uh, paraphrasing on uh, on the last show. Um, there's a contradiction in terms um, on the uh, on the system, and uh, they were able to go ahead and remove the pump on EVA2 and place it out on on a, uh, a storage area on on the International Space Station. Um, EVA three again went off without a hitch. They were going went ahead, put in the uh, the new pump from uh, that they had in uh, in storage, and uh, just reattached all the data and electrical lines, uh, reattached the uh, the ammonia lines, uh, filled the system again, and uh, the new pump is functioning. So um, again, the space station's back up at this point. It's doing good science, and uh, I have to give a, a huge salute to. Uh, to the uh, the folks on station and especially to the folks on the ground that orchestrated the whole thing because they made a uh, they made a uh, an incredibly sophisticated and uh, tough job look awfully easy while watching it on television. Uh, just an amazing job by for everybody involved, and uh, hats off to you. Indeed, it was amazing that they were able to finally fix that issue, and there are certain issues that, you know, they train for, contingencies that they train for, you know, very briefly, but you never expect them to happen. That was actually one of them, and yet they were still baffled by it, but they did a great job with it. Yeah, they, you know, I believe there's like 14 scenarios that they do kind of think about, or there are 15, you know, somebody's going to out there correct, I'm going to correct me on that one, but... Um, there's a set of scenarios that they go ahead, they think are going to happen, they do train for it a little bit, but they never think they're going to pull it out of the Swiss Army knife of procedures, and lo and behold, they had to this time. Uh, again, though, uh, I, I think we, we kind of discussed this on the last last time we met, um, I'm, I'm still kind of wondering about uh, replacing the spare tire, so to speak. I think uh, there are two pumps up there. You've got one that is in use now, you know, or two spare pumps up there. You've got one of the spares in use now. Is are there any plans to replace that that thing now? And um, I still have to go ahead and do some homework on that and find that out. I'd say on that note, we can actually switch to some shuttle news. Correct? I think so. All right. So while we're talking about spare parts and uh, possibly the shuttle bringing them up as well. Processing is currently going on for STS-133 and the Space Shuttle Discovery. STS-133 is slated to be the final flight of the Space Shuttle Discovery and will be bringing up what was the multi-purpose logistics module, Leonardo, which will now become an official full-time part of the International Space Station. So how's processing going for 133? Processing, according to nasaspaceflight.com, is going exceptionally well. Uh, for uh, STS-133, uh, Discovery is, is in pretty good shape. They believe they, they did do some uh, the uh, fixing of the uh, the KU antenna, if you remember, on 131 Discovery's uh, 
uh, KU band antenna didn't really function all that well, and we didn't get all those nice little pretty pictures we usually get from uh, from from Discovery uh, that on that flight. But uh, uh, this time it looks like uh, that's going to happen. So the, the the flow for Discovery is going very very well. It's the external tanks that, however, n- another issue that uh, we have to go ahead and look at there, there Sawyer. Well, what is going on with the external tanks? I believe that they're going to have to x-ray all of the tanks because of some nuts that were not where they were supposed to be. Yeah, there was a... I believe there are are only three uh, external tanks left. And uh, apparently somebody found some... uh, uh, a washer and a fuel line. um, Or this little uh, foreign object debris or FOD. Um running around a fuel line where it really shouldn't be. So what they're doing now is they're going ahead and, and looking at uh, all three of the external tanks with a with a, a fine-tooth comb or, or an x-ray device and making sure that no, uh, no you know, foreign object debris is running around uh, where it shouldn't be. So uh, it's a good safety precaution. Indeed, because I believe there's also another tank there for... Uh possible 335 slash 135 right yeah there there are again there are three external tanks left one is one is committed um obviously for discovery um the other one is is committed for um 130 134 and um the other one is is on standby for 135 um however i don't know we still have that one external tank that survived uh Katrina, and I don't know if the decision has been made to go ahead and try to repair that one and, and set it aside for a, for a possible flight. So um, it's uh, you know that, that's that's something else to to kind of kind of kind of think about there. Now, also along with STS-133, this mission, there is another mission that NASA is embarking on once again, and that is the mission to bring more tweeters. To the launch with an STS-133 launch tweet up at the Kennedy Space Center. Am I correct? Yes, sir. I think registration opens for that one at 10 o'clock on August 24th. I'm trying to remember when that closes. It's usually a a, a one to two day window. Although so, they go so fast that it's one to yeah, two days, nothing. Yeah, I know. Um, there, all the names that will be entered will be thrown into a. Um, a lottery, and uh, I guess they'll pick 150 people at random, and those those lucky 150 are, are going to get a a beautiful sight, you know, a beautiful sight indeed. Um, having uh, attended uh, the 132 tweet up with Gina uh, recently, um, folks, if if you do get a chance chance and 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 fate shines on you and you're able to get into one of these things please don't give it give up the ticket i'm telling you it's 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 an experience of a lifetime we did get to see uh the orbiter atlantis during uh uh during the roll away uh of the uh, uh remote service structure and that alone was worth the price of the ticket being that close to the orbiter and and seeing this, this magnificent bird unveiled um and of course, uh, seeing the launch from uh, from a vantage point of just a mere three miles away uh, from the press site was just—I mean, 
words fail me. I can't even describe it. So if you do get a chance and, and you do have the opportunity and, and your name does get pulled, don't turn the ticket away. I'm telling you, go, please. I'm begging you, do it. Now, aren't they using that same lottery method for actual launch tickets, if I'm correct? Yeah, I think they are, but this this is more um, trying to get over to the causeway. Uh, the um, if, if you know your name is pulled and so on, because again, there's only a couple couple of shuttle flights left, and uh, they're trying to give everybody a, a good opportunity to see this thing as as best they can, but. There's only so much room on the causeway, so they've got to go ahead and parcel out the tickets the best they can. Yeah, Mark, you and I are at 129. Yeah, and uh, things that come to mind is uh, don't worry about sleep. You won't need any. You'll be way too on edge and excited for uh, for what's ahead, for what you've heard, and uh, it is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, and I hope that uh, NASA gets a whole you know, big new batch of enthusiasts that'll, uh, you know, kind of wave the flag from that point on because it's hard to to not be enthusiastic about NASA and the job they do once you've seen it up close. Indeed, Mark. And uh, just just to, I know me personally, I would love to do this again, but um, I think I'm going to, you know, I'm not. I'm. I'm. I'm not going to go ahead and and throw my name in the hat on this one. I want somebody else to have this opportunity to go in there and do it. So, if if you're a veteran of these things and you've been to a couple of them, I know. Good Lord, I really want to throw my hat on the ring on, on on this one. But especially knowing that it's going to be this this last shot of this grand old lady going going off. But uh, um, give somebody else a shot. You know, let somebody else go ahead that hasn't been there and hasn't had that experience. Um, give somebody else a shot. <laughs> let them get out there and, and enjoy it. So in this way, you can talk about the same experience with them. Another part of the whole thing is that uh, you know, it's any. I've seen a couple of shuttle launches from uh, not near as close as the vantage point that NASA gives you, and it's exciting nonetheless. You know, whether you're three miles or, or ten miles out, it's an exciting time. And uh, part of it that's, uh, I think, usually falls into place is people getting together afterwards to uh, to talk about the tweet-up. And, you know, that social aspect of, of people that, that you've just met, maybe, or people that you've known on Twitter, and getting to, to put an actual face and, you know, shake hands and, and, and talk for a bit. You know, that's another dimension of this whole thing that you know is NASA has no involvement with but the fact that uh, you know that people have met you know form some some bonds and some common ground that's that's a whole lot of fun one more little bit of space shuttle news and this one's a fun little one if you'll notice every time that the astronauts go into space their family or friends select wake-up music for them for the last two shuttle missions you the listener, the taxpayer, any of the above will actually get to select two of the wake-up songs during the mission. For STS-133, you can actually go online and vote from a selected list of songs to be played, and the top two will be played on STS-133. And for STS-134, you can actually write your own song, one to two minutes, submit it as an MP3, and the community will vote on them. 
The two winning songs will then be beamed up aboard Endeavour on STS-134, the current final scheduled flight of the space shuttle program. As of right now, the two that are in the lead as of the recording date are the Star Trek theme song and Countdown by Rush. What do you guys think? Are you going to vote? Are you going to create a song or what? Yeah, that's one of the interesting aspects to the to the contest. You can either vote for uh, out of a pool of about forty songs that you know were considered fairly popular, or you can go ahead and put in your own song if you are so inclined. If you're musically inclined, I can think of one person I'm hoping is going to do that right off. I am as well. I think we're thinking the same person. Yes, exactly. She's been on, on here here before. Uh, our, our, our good friend uh, from uh, Bake Sale for NASA fame, uh, Graf Loss. I'm hoping that uh, she is, uh, she's already already got a, uh, an entry going. But anyway, um, so that, that's one of, one of the neat parts of this thing. So it should be an interesting little surprise for the crew. I don't think they're going to know what uh, what songs are, are are being selected, so it's going to be kind of neat. And yes, I did vote, and me being an Electric Light Orchestra fan, had to vote for Mr. Blue Sky, which is on there. So that's currently in third place. Oh, really? Cool. Yep. Let's see if we can bring that up into the top two. <laughs> see if uh, we have the persuasion to do so. Tell you what, you guys tell me what to vote for because I can't carry a tune in a bucket. But uh, I do appreciate, <laughs> I do appreciate music when I when I hear it. It's just afterwards I can't remember what the uh, what the names are and who's done them. And got another name to throw in the hat. Uh, somebody that's done some good music for us on the show is Negative Return. Yes. And maybe he, maybe he could throw a piece together uh, and uh, and and send that in. That would be a lot of fun, and I'm sure it would be outstanding too. Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely. Definitely. So the website, if you want to go and vote or create your own song, the website is songcontest.nasa.gov, and the link for that will be in the show notes. All right, so with that, we can continue on to a little bit of space policy. And uh, Lori Garver, I believe, got up and spoke and uh, voiced her opinion on what NASA should do. Am I right, or...? Yeah, I believe this was um, reported by uh, the uh, Alabama.com blog. Um, apparently, uh, Lori was speaking to some folks over at the Marshall Space Flight Center, um, explaining uh, what Marshall's role will be going forward, and indeed, they will be uh, leading the charge for the new heavy lift vehicle that's being proposed. Um, but I think, too, she wanted to go ahead and uh, basically say that the war the war of words between Congress and the White House um, on this whole policy thing apparently is, is over. And she just wanted to go ahead and reassure the troops that that was indeed the case. Whether, whether or not that is, we'll see. Um, she basically uh, reiterated, too, that they well, and I'll quote her directly from the article. Uh, we could have gotten off to a much better start. Uh, basically, she admitted that they didn't really explain all that much or all that well uh, what uh, constellations issues really, really were, and um, uh, 
she was saying that uh, they they did a bad well to to go ahead and 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 just to recap the whole thing what she was basically saying what we had here was a really fail was a big failure to communicate to paraphrase a famous movie there um but uh she's saying that it uh um the senate ver- that the sen- there there are two versions of uh, of the uh, NASA appropriation bill, the Senate version kind of accelerates the heavy lift work and sends a little bit more money over to the commercial sector, while the House version is going to preserve a little bit more of of constellation. Um, it, Lori is saying it's not going to be up to the administration or the, the the Obama administration to go ahead and put those two bills together. It's going to have to be Congress to go ahead and do that. Um, she's saying it's either going to come together or it's or it's not, and uh, she's absolutely right. The vote I think is up for uh, the, the the appropriations bill is up for a vote. I think in October is what they're estimating. So um, the uh, work on the heavy lift booster, you know, NASA would like to go ahead and begin to to start that next year, um, and uh, they're hoping that. Uh, uh, they want to go ahead and try to see if they can fast track the thing. Um, so we'll just, just see what happens. But uh, you know, Lori, Lori, I think was just trying to go ahead and reassure the troops that uh, uh, the war, you know, the war between um, on, on on the direction they're going to go is is over, and uh, it's time to get to work. Hmm. So do you think that they'll be able to actually come up with something that everyone can agree on, or? Well, oh well, <laughs> they're going to have to. Um, if they don't, that means you've got a carryover from the 2010 budget. And, you know, again, I, I think we, we discussed this a little bit before where um, then you've got essentially a zombie space program where you, where you have two programs being funded, Constellation and Shuttle, and the two programs are, are basically dead. So... Um, you know, it's you've got to go ahead and, and marry these two things, and that's going to be Congress's job to do that, and it's going to be our job too to go ahead and and make sure that Congress follows through on it. So, you know, write your uh, if if you're 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 trying to go ahead and and uh, make sure your Congress critter knows what he's what he's doing and and and. Uh, on this whole thing, make your opinion known and, and pick up a pen or, or write him an email and, and let him know. By the way, if you have any opinions on anything, you know you can always do the same with us to our email address, mailbag at talkingspaceonline.com, our Twitter account at Talking Space, and our Facebook page. You can search for Talking Space. Alrighty then, now that we're done self plugging. <laughs> The Federal Aviation Administration, or the FAA, is now debating whether to actually come up with some rules and regulations for privatized space, and also making sure that they can organize it so that the rockets launch not into airplanes, and they control the airspace and the space space as well. And Mark, you know a little bit about the FAA, so uh, what's your opinion on this? Well, it's interesting that one of the the tasks that they've got is to to regulate, uh, you know, the the commercial space flight industry to some extent, as far as safety goes, and at the same time, 
part of their mandate is to promote commercial spaceflight. And I think that puts them in the same complicated position that it does with commercial airlines and such in the U.S. in that for things to be safe, often the regulations become what is seen by the carriers as being more and more oppressive and more and more costly. And so it's a real balancing act and one that I don't envy anyone trying to decide because essentially you're forcing an industry to spend money or maybe to have additional testing, maybe to have additional engineering studies. You know, you're you're you may be requiring things that are going to cost money and at the same time you're uh you know, you want to show that willingness to, to provide the support, which, you know, clear in the airspace probably wouldn't be that complicated. It happens all the time with military training and, you know, lots of things that happen all over the country that really don't amount to any notice to passengers on flights other than, gee, I wonder why we just turned. Well, you, you turn to avoid a, an area that's restricted. And those things will happen. And, you know, here we're talking about uh, Virgin Galactic is, uh, and Sir Richard Branson making the statement that in the next three to five years, there'll be frequent space tourism launches. And so, you know, that will happen. And uh, it'll happen by the initiative of the industry, by the pockets of people that are willing to pay for those, those, special, uh, those special rides. And by the government giving them the uh, the freedom to do so, and hopefully keeping that balance between safety and 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 that freedom that uh, you know that the industry desires. We'll see how it goes. One thing that kind of <laughs> uh, I'm not sure if this is right, but it's what I read at any rate, and it says that uh, the FAA is going to fund this Center of Excellence for Commercial Space Transportation that it's going to fund it to the tune of a million dollars a year for the next five years. Big, hairy deal. A million dollars for an industry that's just getting started? And you think, well, yeah, that's a good start. Well, yeah, it could probably use a whole lot more than that, but everything ends up being so money conscious and um, and I guess needs to be, unfortunately. Here I am, you know, waffling on both sides of the fence, but a million dollars a year doesn't seem like much. And... You know, I, I think it's just going to involve a few desks and a few telephones and computers, and <laughs> it may not uh, may not amount to much more than that because you got to have some really smart people to do really well with this, and uh, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, Mark, but I saw that when you told me that figure, a uh, million dollars a year, I was like, what? <laughs> is is that are they serious? Uh, how are you going to go ahead and, and do anything of any significance with that kind of with that kind of money when you're talking about trying to open up a whole new industry? I just didn't understand that. I guess it's kind of a getting your foot in the door sort of thing as far as the industry getting the uh, recognition from the government, although <laughs> they may prefer not to have some of that attention as time goes on. <laughs> yeah, really. Put it put it this way. Uh, one of the uh, Oh, I can't think of the proper name for it. The EAA, Experimental Aircraft Association, they have events in the U.S., and there's one in Central Florida called Sun and Fun. And uh, and working in the Florida area, uh, one time we got word at, at the office I work at that if we wanted to come down, 
and uh, you know we could either help out or just come down and and see sun and fun and somebody that uh, was promoting this saying hey come on down see what it's like they said one thing you'll find is that you know you think you're the uh, the white knight riding in on your on your mighty horse an FAA technician and uh, you know that you're there to save the world and you'll find out that not everybody looks at the FAA the way you think they do <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, and and at that point, I understood there's a different perspective. When you're the regulatory agency, uh, people see you coming, and they see that uh, that FAA thing, and uh, it's like, huh, okay. I hope he's going to leave soon. We don't want him around for very long. <laughs> and uh, you know, here I'm the I'm the guy out on the middle of the airport that's uh, wanting things to be the best and make sure everything is just right. And uh, you know, the the people that would hear a little bit about what I do, I'm sure they would say thanks, I'm glad you're there, and uh, and ask some questions, but uh, it's not universal. There's so many different aspects to the FAA, and it'll probably end up being this way for the commercial space flight business, too. They'll they'll see different sides of the FAA that, that some will be uh, encouraging and some will be discouraging. Kind of the old joke of, uh, I'm from the government, I'm here to help you. <laughs> <laughs> Got a little cartoon that shows uh, that shows Walt Disney wearing a like a Mickey Mouse cap, carrying a briefcase, knocking on somebody's door, and that's that's what he's saying. You know, I'm from the government. I'm here to help you. And you know, it's hard to shake that image of uh, Mickey Mouse with with that kind of a statement as to, huh? <laughs> oh boy. Oh man. Sorry, that was a that was the worst Mickey Mouse impression I've ever heard in my life. It was funny um, though. It was okay. <laughs> Thank you for entertaining us, Gene. <laughs> I guess the only regret I have is not holding off on this dissertation for a couple more years, but chances are I'll get away with it anyhow. <laughs> I think so. I think Gene now needs one in uh, in uh, impersonations. Yeah, I do, definitely. <laughs> okay, then. Uh, while we're continuing on about private space, I believe that SpaceX performed their first drop test of their Dragon capsule. I believe that happened August 12th. Am I right? Yeah, the um, they went ahead and did the drop test. I haven't heard anything about any type of results, and SpaceX is, uh, well, I guess they're being characteristically tight-lipped to make sure that, I guess, a, a possible competitor doesn't doesn't hear about anything, but um, I'm sure if, uh, there were, if things went, you know, drastically wrong, we would have known about it, too. Uh, so uh, again, I'm I'm hoping that things went well, and uh, hopefully uh, that that's it'll it'll be uh, score one for for the for the company, and then hopefully things continue to go well over there. Yeah, bad news always travels fast. Exactly. And along those lines, with you were just mentioning there, there actually is another company I believe that uh, just recently emerged. Am I correct about Open Luna? <laughs> Well, yeah, these guys I kind of sort of stumbled on. I was just trying to look around for uh, uh, for any type of news the way I usually do for uh, for the week, and I was just playing, and lo and behold, um, I found uh, this this group called OpenLuna.org. Uh, the idea behind them is that they apparently want to pick up where Constellation kind of sort of left off, but they want to do it in an open source manner um and uh i was like huh okay this 
this this sounds interesting. Again, this is a commercial enterprise that wants to go back to the moon, and uh, they first want to do it robotically, then of course with humans, and uh, uh, they. The open. I'll, I'll go ahead and read off real quick what their objectives are. The Open Luna Foundation takes a unique approach that one, all aspects of, of any type of flight plan and hardware will be open source. Information will be publicly available and community support and involvement will be actively pursued and welcomed. I'm wondering how they're going to get around the ITAR problems with that. Um, they're saying special efforts will be made to involve students, educational facilities, and amateur space enthusiasts. So, gang, they're looking for us. So, if you have any ideas, I'm sure that sure that they'd love to hear from you. Um, they're saying that a very strong media presence to these folks is going to be a priority. Uh, they want to go ahead and exploit the um, educational opportunities and also the entertainment opportunities for each of these missions. Um, We'll be more than happy to help out with the media aspect of it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we might. Um, the mission hardware, they're saying, will be light and geared toward um, continuity from one from one mission to future missions, and they want, want to do this to save cost and simplify uh, the mission and hardware development, and any type of, you know, what they're calling dubbing superfluous hardware will be removed from, removed if possible. Um, they are going into the, pre- you know, they know fully well that this might create some initial complications, but it's going to balance out over the over the span of the program. Um, and again, risk levels are going to be assessed, and uh, missions will will continue forward. Um, they're they're kind of looking at this. They, they run the analogy of sort of like an, uh, a mission to Everest, if you will, an expedition to Everest. Um, Moderate risks are going to be acceptable in, in favor of the ultimate mission objective. And uh, the final thing they're saying, access to all scientific data and, and acceptance of outside research proposals will be encouraged. So apparently if you do have a proposal running around that you want to try to see if you can make uh, make work in this particular environment, they would love to hear from you. Um, I would really love to learn more about these guys. In fact, I might go ahead and reach out to them and and, uh, and see if they would might, would love to comment here um, on on their program and uh, and uh, see if there's a representative that would love to come come over here and talk to us. Um, it's, a, it's an intriguing idea. It's just I'm wondering how they're going to get around uh, around the ITAR regulations. What are ITAR regulations for those that don't know? Okay, it, it, it's basically technology transfer, um, and uh, uh, basically you don't want to get you know technology that is is critical to U.S. security to somebody that is not looking into the United States' best interests. So, you know, rocket uh, plans fall under that type of that that type of agreement. And uh, um, you know, it, theoretically, you know, it, if you if you interpret ITAR the way it, it it says, theoretically, when I was you know a little kid with plans to the you know the one of the Saturn V stages, I was in violation of ITAR, even though I got it from NASA PAO. So 
you know that that that's just that that's how ridiculous it, it it's getting. So there is definitely reform that's needed, um, but uh, you know, but but this regulation currently is is in place, and you got to work around it. And there's got to be a workaround somewhere. Right now, there really isn't, and uh, this might lead to an, to uh, uh, impeding. Uh, the open source idea for this. Um, I'm also brought to mind a company called Lunacorp um, that a gentleman by the name of David Gump started in the 1990s. Um, he had a an educational plan where he wanted to go ahead and put uh, a group of uh, robotic uh, emissaries up there back on the moon and have uh, students here um, on Earth kind of sort of control it, um, control each one of these little robots and course there were complaints about not getting too close to uh, one of the Apollo sites and so on but um, the company unfortunately really didn't didn't take off and I'm just wondering what these guys with with, with Lunacorp in mind I'm wondering um, what how these guys are going to go ahead and, and avoid that same fate so it should be interesting I'd love to go ahead and, and, and pick their brains a little bit more definitely so a possible future show <laughs> oh definitely definitely any other comments on anything else? Yeah. One more thing. Uh-huh. I believe, I think I know what you're talking about, and that would be an unstory. Yeah, this is um, Space Up DC, um, which will occur on August 27th and 28th in Washington, DC. Um the format that this is, it's a, it's what they're calling an unconference, um, where attendees kind of go ahead and, and get up there and, and speak their minds. Uh, meaning you are given a, a little time frame and you have to go ahead and, and prepare a little bit of a, of a discussion that, uh, or a presentation in some aspect, on some aspect of, uh, of spaceflight, um, in, uh, in front of the, in front of a, front of the audience um there are currently i think about uh, uh as of this recording i think there's about maybe 80 people going currently uh i'd love to go ahead and see if we can get that number up a little further so if you're in the dc area and and you want to attend um visit uh um spaceupdc.org and and see if you you can go ahead and, and register for this register for the for the conference. Um, it's uh, and get more information out about it. Now now we're going to be down there covering it, or I will be anyway. And uh, I'll be back with some uh, uh, next week with some uh, information about how everything went. Looking forward to hearing that. Yeah, it'll be it'll be fun. I've, I've never been. I remember the one in. In San Diego, I wasn't I wasn't able to go to that one, and I was like, "Huh, so what is this really, really all about?" So I'm gonna go yeah, ahead. Yeah, I, I won tickets to the one in San Diego, and still wasn't able to make it. Yeah, <laughs> darn it! You're not uh, kidding, but it it was still okay. Um, and uh, if there is another moon by eating contest, good luck. <laughs> I am not gonna be going into that. Thank you very much. Yeah. But um. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it should be kind of kind of interesting. Uh, we've got folks coming in to, to talk about about uh, anything and everything uh, that has to deal with space flight and space exploration, and it's just 
folks like you and me that are going to go over there and just sort of try to see what what uh, comes out of it um, as far as any type of ideas that might be uh, might be built upon and so on. Who knows? Be a good place to network if if you're into this type of thing. So it, it'll it'll be fun, I think. Yeah, definitely. So again, if you're in the DC area or anywhere within a reasonable driving distance, you know, and you're you're so inclined, come on down and visit us. Visit uh, uh, the conference. It should be kind of neat. And if you're not the vicinity, keep an eye on Twitter and at Talking Space. That's very true, Mark. I'll be doing some tweeting I, from there. I know, I know as good as you are with uh, kind of a running commentary that you'll do a great job of giving us a feel for what uh, what it's all about, and I'm looking forward to that that side of it. Yeah, I'll probably be tweeting on the, uh, the talking space. Uh, it'll be kind of fun. I can't wait. All right. So once again, thank you, everybody, for joining us. We apologize about the unannounced two-week summer vacation. <laughs> But uh, we had some uh, science that we had to perform, we had some robotic arm work to complete, and we had to uh, take some time to actually look at the cupola. So, uh... <laughs> But we're back. So, once again, thank you for listening, and thank you for joining us, Gene McCulka. And, yeah, I want to say thanks to our audience, too, for putting up with us, and, uh, and we'll, we'll, we'll go ahead and uh, we'll do better ne- next time. Again, uh, uh, thanks, and thanks for listening, and... Uh, Thanks for having us on tonight, Sawyer. It's been it's been a fun night. As always. And thank you as well, Mark Ratterman. Yeah, I need to take a minute and dig myself out of the hole. I started at the beginning of the show and say, Gina, we missed you. <laughs> Indeed. Oh, uh, one more little thing. Speaking of which, Gina, again, we miss you. Hope things are going well at home. Um, and I want to give a shout-out to Becca Setzer, who had some uh, a little bit of knee surgery uh this past week and she's back home recovering from all that mess so again uh becca get get better quick you know and 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 uh and all that and uh uh, we'll keep an eye on on you through twitter so again feel better soon all the best to you speedy recovery so once again as we always say here have a great day night evening or whatever it may be where you are Thank you.